thank you for tuning into Holistic Finance, where we promote financial balance and financial health. Our mission is to simplify your finances so you can focus on your practice and enjoy life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins. Hello everybody, welcome back to Holistic Finance. I am your host, Ryan Burklow. With me, Alexander Collins, my co-host. Thank you, Ryan. You, you do realize that this is the only setting in which you actually call me Alexander and nobody calls me Alexander. Well, I guess my mom does if I'm in trouble. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. For those of you who are returning, uh, thanks for returning. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening in and we appreciate uh, you all sharing sharing some of the stuff out there to your your comrades out there. So the message is getting out and we're so happy to be a resource for the naturopathic community. Um, for those of you who are new, this is a podcast all about helping you in your practice where we will be speaking in a financial inside of practice on both on the personal and the business. We'll also be interviewing different experts um, that could be Eventually, you get to speak with them like CPAs, accountants um, that normally are inside of or helping uh, naturopaths. And then also, how do you market? Right? How do you set up your entity? So we interview other professionals that we hope are bringing value to you in establishing your practice. Today's podcast, we've had several meetings with, with clients and it's been eventually we get to the point especially if we're, we're dealing with a bigger practice, we get to the point where the conversation turns to how do we keep our best employees and or how do we attract best employees? So that's what we want to talk about today. First of all, we try to define key employee. Yeah, uh, let's, uh, let's start out with defining what a key employee is is and a key employee is really somebody who drives revenue for the company it's and for most of our most of the folks that are listening uh, you're likely at least your own key employee you may have other key employees as well it's typically not going to be your office manager if you have grown in the practice to the point where you have a cfo it's not that person. Like they may add value to the practice and they're not driving revenue. It's not a an oh my god, what are we going to do? How do we keep the doors open conversation if they leave the practice? Well, and I would actually make the argument that that's actually the definition of a key employee. If that employee leaves, it becomes a oh my god, what am I going to do? So it doesn't necessarily have to be revenue driven. If that's the answer to, Fair. oh my God, what am I going to do? So and so's leaving. Yeah, and and so it, it could be an office manager, depending upon what that person does for you and how how hard it would be to replace them. And at the same time, like if that's the case, we we really need to have some discussion around uh, how do we make. How do we create better systems within the practice? Yeah, absolutely. So now that we understand what the definition of key employee, at least for the, the conversation for today, 
you know, how do we attract them? You know, if you don't have that key employee, how do you attract them? And, you know, I'm about to go on a, <laughs> on a pedestal here. I'm not, you know, the, because the, the first thing is culture, right? But we hear so much about culture this and culture that. And it becomes almost annoying, at least in my view. However, there is a piece to it where if your employees don't like showing up to work because of the office morale or what's going on in the office or the feeling, then that's an issue. And instead of culture, let's just call it fit. Exactly. That's a better way. And it's huge, right? It, I can't imagine showing up somewhere where it's like, man, this is a stale environment. I don't really want to be here. And that's going to turn into everything else that is the trickle effect from that. Yeah. I mean, it sounds corny and cheesy, but like you just kind of have to click with the other people. I mean, I go back to the, to the conference that you and I like essentially met at and like where the formation of our partnership came from. And really it was just like we clicked. So that's got to be there. And you as the owner of the practice, the buck stops with you, right? So bring on people that you click with, which is huge. And don't just bring on someone because you need someone. Yeah, it's critically important that you enjoy the people that you're going to be working with because you can jump over a lot of different hurdles and you can really kind of mess up and, and have it be okay if you've got that solid foundation of a good working relationship to, to build upon prior to anything like going wrong or, or something. And like, this isn't to say that something's going to go wrong. It's just, it gives you much more latitude. So once we have the good fit and you understand what that environment is that you're trying to build in your practice, the, the next step is okay for the most part. And again, this is another cliche piece out there, but it is the truth most people that will join you, they're going to want to know what is the benefit of joining you. And that might be benefits. Now, it depends on the structure of your practice, right? If you've got W-2 NDs working for you, meaning employees that are naturopathic physicians, or are they 1099, or are they just renting a space from you, those benefits do differ between the three of those. Yeah, and one of the things we should have started off this conversation with is for for most folks that have a lifestyle practice, and if you're not sure what a lifestyle practice is, we've talked about it in previous podcasts, most of this key employee stuff is, is not really going to pertain to you. Um, typically, that's only one ND in the practice. Uh, but if you're actually building an enterprise practice or you're building a partnership, you're, you're building more than just yourself creating this sort of team atmosphere becomes critically important and and having that fit having that culture having that click really becomes important and then the next thing becomes what's the structure is it w2 or is it some form of independent contractor and there's pros and cons to each one of these things right absolutely and it might start out one way like it might start out 1099 and turn to W2 later on. 
Absolutely. And that's, that's, and that's a, often what occurs, actually. <laughs> absolutely. It's a great way to try and figure out, like, hey, are we a good fit? Because you're not always going to get that instant click. It might be like, hey, I could see myself working with that person long term. And then you're almost doing it on like a trial basis if you're using 1099 or, or renting a renting space, that type of a deal. And you get to figure out like, hey, do I click with this person like over a you know six months to two year type time frame? And it really depends on, what, again, thinking with the end in mind, what is it you're building inside your practice, right? If you're just building a practice where you're going to have your own patients and that's really going to be the, the revenue coming in is just your own patients, then right? This won't really pertain to you. uh, And this podcast for the most part won't pertain to you because we're talking about the employee side of everything. But if you're building a practice where either a, you just want to help select patients and then the the other three, four NDs that are on your, on your staff or in the practice are bringing in the other patients for the revenue. And you get to be quote unquote, the business owner more than the actual practicing physician well, then it's going to be key to have NDs in your practice that have the the same philosophies, understanding what you're trying to build, and just being on the same page. Right. And for those folks that are that lifestyle, that solo practitioner, we will come back and have a conversation around employees and employee benefits and things of that nature. So this isn't the right podcast for the right episode for, for that conversation, and we'll address that in the near future. So let's talk about 1099s versus W-2s. So, so what are the pros and cons between between the two? Just quickly, high level here, Alex. Sure. So the the, the easiest, it is massively easy to set up and structure the the rental agreements, the 1099 type concept where you, you, they're a separate entity. So you don't necessarily need to do a whole lot of verification vetting like you still need to make sure that they're credentialed and that like everything is on the up and up and and all of those details but you're not hiring an employee that then becomes a part of you and so it becomes you know much less daunting to onboard to all of the other aspects and you know then it becomes a question of like okay what are the benefits that they receive by being associated or affiliated with you with your practice or by renting a, a room to operate in like, or to practice in. Um, right. So what are the benefits, right? So let's stay on the 1099s here. What are the benefits? If I'm a 1099 that's about to join, what benefits are you going to provide me? Like, why would I join your practice rather than someone else's practice? Right. So that's going to come back to the fit. Right. For, for one, uh, for two could be area specialty. Two, right. Could be they like the look and feel of the practice, like where it's located. You might also wind up picking up some efficiencies by having like one staff person spread out over three or four practices. You might have some significantly increased flexibility in terms of like hours or how you, how to run your practice, all of those types of things. Like if you've got it, <coughs> pardon me, if you've got a, uh, a 1099, you can't dictate how they operate. You can't dictate anything to them at all. Like they're an independent contractor. The only thing you're doing is paying them a fee for their service. And if they're renting space, they, 
they're just literally renting space and they can do whatever the heck they want in that. So let's transfer over to W2s. The W2s, you're, man, are you dying over there? Yeah, Sienna came home from, from daycare on Wednesday and uh, she had this nasty cough and and she shared it with both Heather and I. Maybe you guys, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> If you have W-2 employees, right, there is a, uh, there's an element of risk that you're taking on or liability because now they're representing your entity, right? So now they're, you open up that lawsuit because they're representing, they're, they're representing you, right? Right. So that's, that's a key piece there. Secondly, obviously the, the finances that come to, you know, the, the, the salaries, the taxes that you have to pay the rent that you're essentially paying on their behalf, right? There's the financial piece. So that's all the negative side of the W-2. Well, and if you're providing any benefits to them, right? Health insurance or like group benefits, like group life, group disability, any type of retirement plan, all of that type of stuff, they, that they then become eligible for. Well, and that's part of the attraction is why would they join you? Well, you have these benefits, right? So you can offer them medical benefits. You could offer them, some group or long-term disability type benefits, which is often not seen in the, the ND community, as well as a retirement plan, also not seen in, in the ND community. But what are some of the pros now? Like what, it, knowing that it's gonna cost me more and the risk is there, so why would I go there? So as the owner, you're gonna have more control. You're gonna have more ability to drive value and the underlying practice now has value because the likelihood of being able to the practice to run without you just went up dramatically. If you've got a W two employee, you know, if you get to the point where like you can go on vacation and know that your patients are being taken care of by your W two NDs, like, Oh my God, how, how, how much added flexibility does that give to you? How much peace of mind? And in addition to that, you're also now building something of value that can be transferred down the road, whether it's to a partner or um, somebody else. So you're actually building value inside of the practice as opposed to just having a lifestyle practice where you might make a, a decent living, but there's nothing that there's no value to pass on at the end. I would argue, well, not argue, another point and the benefit of having the W-2 employees, if, you're, if your role you don't want to be so much as the practicing doctor and you want to be the business owner or you want to own multiple practices, that frees up your time to then go do that. And if you've got a, a doctor that's a W-2 employee that is just crushing it, now that brings open a lot of different things, right? It could be transitioned to that employee later on when you retire or by the sale of your practice. Bringing them on as a partner. I mean, there, there are a host of different options, right? Which I think is it's a good segue now to structuring, you know, compensation. Like now, how do, how do we keep? When we've identif- once we've identified the key employee, now how do we keep them from leaving? Because if they're that good, what's from stopping them to saying, peace out, I'm going to go either start my own practice or join someone else's because they're offering X. Right. And the first thing we want to do is make sure that we've got the same base level of compensation for 
all of our people. Um, now we may have like a differentiation between like if you're running a resident program and somebody who's an employee, okay, that makes sense to have some sort of differentiation there. Um, if you've got, you know, some sort of expertise differential, yeah, you might be able to have like some tiers there in terms of some compensation. But what you really want to avoid is you want to avoid, like, let's say that you're, you know, paying folks uh, based on a, a percentage of revenue. You don't want to have two, three, four, five, ten different compensation ag- arrangement agreements with each one of your employees. You want to have one that you stick to that's easy to communicate. And so everyone knows you're not playing favorites. But then those folks that are key, we can carve those folks out and like put a non-qualified deferred compensation plan in place where now we can figure out how we're structuring it. We can put some strings to that money so that we're tying them to the practice. And so if they leave, it's it's bad for them as well, not just bad for you. And you're able to recoup some of the cost and some of the value that just walked out the door. Yeah, essentially the, the value to, to that key employee is extra compensation, right? That they get to take at a certain point. And then the value to you, the owner, is that employee will hopefully stay with you with that carrot being out there, as well as if that employee leaves and they leave too quickly, you get to take that money back. So there's different vesting periods that we can put inside of that that compensation plan. Yeah. Typically, we wind up having some sort of continual vesting schedule so that we don't want to make it forever until they receive any of the benefit. But at the same time, we also want to give them an incentive to stay all the time. Right. And, you know, we're not naive. We understand that that money isn't the driving factor for many NDs, but having a plan in place, either financially, either inside of the culture or the fit, or maybe the eventual takeover of the practice, that transition plan can yeah. be the, the carrot for that, that key employee to stay on. Yeah. The path to partnership, the path to succession, receiving more compensation, like all of these things are different potential carrots and, and we can, you know, sit down and have conversations around, okay, how do we actually structure this and what, why and when and, and how. The, the, the biggest reason we're speaking into this today is if you're building a practice where you're hoping to sell it, it, most of the time it can't just be you. Or even if you're just trying to build a practice where you're avoiding burnout. Right. Right. If your main goal is to help as many people as you possibly can through natural medicine and naturopathic medicine, then it can't just be about you. Right. So having these other people on your team, even just for support, is so big and so huge so having that team and building that culture, building the the compensation plan, having benefits, having everyone on the same vision is huge. And so these pieces are what we see that's out there that aren't spoken into a lot. And it simplifies the practice. It takes stress off the main practice owner. It allows for growth of NDs inside of your practice. It, it just is, it's the best for everybody. Yeah, and the the goal is to make sure that you're doing this at appropriate time time frames and and levels. You don't want to get like 
I know you're a skier, Ryan. You don't you don't want to get too far out over your skis where like what happens if you get too far out over your skis, you just tumble over, you know, face first. And that's it's not a fun experience for any skiers who have done that. Uh, for any business owners who have gotten out over your skis, like it can be financial disaster. And so doing this at the appropriate time for the appropriate level is critical. So let's end on the question of the day here. Yeah, the question of the day is, what's your plan for attracting and retaining key employees? So visit us at holistic-finance.com. And at the bottom there, there's a spot for you to, to write your name, put the question of the day, and give us uh, your answer to that question. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you got any value out of this, please share it with your colleagues. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Twitter. Because if you got value out of it, I'm guessing there's other people that you know that might be able to get some value out of it. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to be a resource. So we hope this podcast was viable today and make it a great day. This is only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 3585 Maple Street, number 140, Ventura, California, 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Security, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2020-95363, expiration 02-2022.